random songs that the band decided to finish with it was it would be kind of sad because Oh Holy Night is like the crescendo of all caroling, isn't it? Like you cannot not end on Oh Holy Night or somewhat have that as your finale. And to end on We Three Kings is a bit of like a no, no. That's like that's like the transition point in your carols program. You're not supposed to have that at the end. But there's a reason why we have them, and that's because. Um, that part of the message, and I thought it'd be a bit of fun to hear those two songs. And particularly today, I just want to focus on a, a very simple idea that God put in my head. And that is that when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and 2,000 years later, uh, we, we do all of these different celebrations, we sing all of these different songs to commemorate this event. But even when Jesus was first born, it seems like God decided that it was an event that needed to be witnessed. You know, normally when someone is born, people that know that child want to see the baby. They will visit the baby, maybe in hospital, maybe at home, depending on the circumstance. And, and that forms like, you know, a bit of that celebration. But when Jesus was born, there were two different groups of witnesses uh, that God particularly invited to the event. Who knows who these two groups of people are? This is not a trick question, people. You just sang the two songs about it. Shout them out. There were three wise men and the shepherds. Um, yes, that's why we sang those two songs. <laughs> so we have the shepherds and we have the wise men. We have these two groups of people that Jesus... Um, there were witnesses to Jesus' birth that celebrated Jesus' birth. And the stories are kind of interesting when you slow down enough to consider them. The first lot of people uh, to, to visit Jesus that went his family were the shepherds. And we see this account in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 19. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what was told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. More than likely from the historical sequence of events, the shepherds were the first witnesses uh, in these two groups. Uh, more, more than likely, it was literally, possibly on the actual day of uh, Jesus' birth that this whole um, event takes place. And, and we sing about it so often that we don't actually, I, well, I don't actually often stop to think about what this would have been like. The shepherds are in the field. They are chilling out, minding their own business. An angel 
appears before them. How many of you have seen an angel before? I do not mean your wife or your husbands. You were supposed to be like, yes. But no, not talking about your wife. Talking about a literal glowing, I have no idea what they look like. I've never seen one before. But this thing, right, appears in the middle of nowhere and they freak out. And then the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Uh, the, the Messiah is born today. And, and then, oh, I love this because I think it shows God's extravagance. Once the angel has brought the message, suddenly a delegation of the choirs of heaven appears and they just begin to sing. I'm like, if you slow down and imagine that you're one of these poor shepherds that were just minding their sheep. I don't know what kind of sheep that is, but anyway, we'll call that a sheep anyway. And they were chilling out and suddenly, I don't think angels look like that. That's a terrible drawing. But anyway, that's, just, that's how some people think that angels and shepherds and sheep look like apparently. But these choir, this choir of angels suddenly start singing, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And, 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 and it's like God just decided, yes, Jesus is going to be born and Jesus is going to be born humble. And in this area, this tiny little town called Bethlehem, that there, there's nothing there. Uh, Beck and I were in Israel uh, probably about six, seven years ago now. And we thought that Bethlehem would be on the, the travel list. We went with the tour. And um, they said, no, no, we're not going to Bethlehem because Beth there's, one, there's nothing in Bethlehem. And number two, Bethlehem is a very dangerous place <laughs> because it was literally one of those contested grounds in Israel. And, and so we didn't get to see Bethlehem, but they were saying, literally, you're not missing much. And that's where I would say if he was born in a place where you're not missing much. It's like, oh, I'm coming to Perth. I want to see Armadale. It's like, no, you're not going to be missing much. You go to Vic Park. You don't go to Armadale. Sorry for anyone that lives in Armadale. But it's kind of true though, isn't it? Come on, people. You know, you go to where there are things, there are food to eat, there are things. That you don't go to the place where you're going to get mugged. So that probably is kind of what Bethlehem I don't know, maybe that wasn't what it was back then, but today it kind of is a very dangerous place and we didn't get to go see it. And, and, and so it's like Jesus was born in this little town of no consequence, but God was like, I want to celebrate his birth. And so I've got to send this choir of angels to sing to these nobodies in the middle of a field and tell them that this is such a great thing that I'm going to sing songs of great joy. And... Um, I want you to note that shepherds are extremely common people. In that day and age, there are a couple of different uh, ways of seeing who the, these shepherds are. On, on one hand, there are the people that think that shepherds are actually full-on lower caste people in that day and age. Um, that is not really uh, corroborated by much um, thought. Uh, but more than likely, they were just really common people. And the reason why we probably think that they're common people is for these reasons. Number one, they uh, looked after sheep that needed to go from place to place outside of the city uh, to be able to find food. And so they would spend most of their year outside and away from the town. They, they weren't people that lived it up in the town. They were people that lived in uh, open air areas, tending their sheep. And so um, 
who are the kinds of people that would do that? They're probably not the, the really rich or higher class people. They would probably be more commoners. And this is another really interesting thing. Uh, one scholar said that they most likely were not very highly educated because sheep do not need much care. Sheep have a natural tendency to follow a shepherd. So it's kind of like um, a, a person that, that goes into a trade and the whole trade is to press a button on a machine. You know, you don't need much education to press the button. Press the button and keep your fingers away from the sharp things. You know, you don't need years of education for that. You, you find someone that knows how to press a button and keep their fingers away. In a similar kind of a way, the shepherds were probably people that was like, this is your sheep, make sure they follow you. Okay, it's already following me. I must be a, an expert shepherd. Why are they still following me? I just need to go to the toilet. It's still, f that's the kind of animals that sheep are. They have a natural tendency to follow the shepherd. And, and so this, they, they probably did not have a crazy level of education. Uh, they, they were common people who spend their lives in the open fields. And note something really interesting. These shepherds were not looking for Jesus. Nowhere in the, they were shocked about this whole Jesus story. They possibly and probably knew that as, uh, as a Hebrew person, they were looking forward to the arrival of the Messiah, but they were not literally thinking the Messiah is coming. They weren't even caring about it. All they cared about was probably their sheep and their livelihood. And so we have this really weird group of witnesses we don't know how many shepherds there were. There might have been a whole bunch of them like that, that picture. But they were common people that weren't looking for Jesus, yet they were still invited to be witnesses to the birth of Jesus. And then we have this second group of people um, that the carol that we sang called them the three kings. That is probably not true. We don't know. It has no uh, historical corroboration. The reason why we sing about three kings is because someone thought, hey, they gave frankincense, gold, and myrrh, so there might be three of them. Um, and there's the number three, but they are not actually kings. The book of Matthew calls them magi. And what magi are, are wise men. They, they could have been some kind of magician back in those days. Uh, what magi would have been is that they would have been royal advisors. They would have worked in, um, in the palace with royalty. And um, Matthew calls them the Magi from the east. Let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 or 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the King of Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You see, these... People, they, they were not kings themselves. They served kings and they were very well-learned people. They were extremely educated to the point where these people had read prophetic scriptures talking about a star, uh, the star of David coming out at the birth of the Messiah, the king of the Jews. They actually knew that prophecy probably, in fact, more than the Hebrew people knew it. That is how interesting this is. They came from the east, which meant that they came from other countries. They were not Hebrew people. They were not Israelis in, in that kind of a sense. They, they belonged to different nations. They were learned people that had studied uh, Hebrew scripture about the prophecy of the coming of the king of the Jews. That is who they are. That was what was taking place. Um, 
as much as uh, the, the, the shepherds weren't looking for Jesus, these wise men were absolutely dedicating their life to finding Jesus. Kind of interesting, very big contrast here. And, and let's, uh, let's read on in Matthew 2, verses 9 to 11. Uh, they, they went to see King Herod, and King Herod, who basically is uh, the king and does not like um, the new king of the Jews, and so he basically tells them, hey, tell me where the king is because I want to worship him, and really they wanted to kill Jesus. You can read that whole story yourself, but in verse 9 it says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star had, they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And as much as the whole shepherd story is quite ridiculous, this story is also kind of ridiculous in its own way. As much as these people were learning about Jesus and wanting to see Jesus, when it came to actually finding Jesus, God puts a moving star in the sky that guides them to Bethlehem. I want you to kind of just imagine being one of these wise men. You've learned everything that you can learn about this uh, Messiah. You learn about where he is going to be located and everything, but you still need to see this star that moves in order to lead you to Jesus. It's still kind of crazy. And why is it crazy to me is because obviously God wanted both the shepherds and the wise men to find Jesus. Would you agree with my statement? Without God's help, neither the shepherds nor the wise men would have actually found Jesus. Agree? That, that, that to me is interesting because why would God put in the effort to draw these two groups of people to come to see Jesus? What is that all about? One group was completely unprepared for this. The other group were really prepared. They even had gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What those gifts represent is that they were preparing to meet royalty. Those are the gifts that you give to a royal baby. And so they had prepared the gold, frankincense, and myrrh because they knew that they were going to step in front of the king of all kings, Jesus. And so we have a bunch of people that are high in society, they are, they are upper society people, they, they live in the palace or maybe close to the palace, they, they advise the kings, they, they learn about scripture, they learn not just about scripture but all sorts of different things and then you have the shepherds that no one would really consider too much and God takes the effort to bring both of these groups of people to see Jesus. And I was thinking about that. I was like, why would, why, would, why would God need all of that? I mean, partly maybe because God knew that 2,000 years later we'll be singing different carols and it's like, well, they need a few different topics of, uh, they need more material to be able to sing more carols because carols are pretty cool. So maybe let's have the wise men story so they can sing about the wise men. Or oh, they're going to probably butcher it and call it the three kings, but that's okay. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get the shepherds in as well. And so maybe we can have another song about shepherds and angels appearing because that always sounds really cool. I don't think that God was just embellishing the story. It's a pretty cool story. With these little details, make the story pop a little bit more. 
But I think the whole point of bringing the shepherds and the wise men to see Jesus is because God was establishing what kind of king he was going to be. I think that's the whole point of bringing in witnesses that could not have been more different from one another. We have the commoner and the royalty. We have the educated and the uneducated. We have the prepared and the unprepared. We have the seeking and those who don't even know that they're lost. We have, we, we, we have those who have gifts and those who don't have gifts. We have those who come from Israel and those who don't come from Israel. In fact, the early church so celebrated the three kings, uh, the three wise men coming to see Jesus that they actually made a date out of it. Traditionally, um, the church believes uh, without much evidence uh, that the wise men visited Jesus 12 days after he was born. And so some of the church still celebrates 12 days after Christmas, they celebrate something called Epiphany. And they call it Epiphany because it is the revealing of the Messiah to the Gentiles, Gentiles being non-Jewish people. And why that's celebrated is because right at the birth of Jesus, not only is the Messiah for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. What I'm trying to put forward here today is that when we celebrate Christmas, what we are actually celebrating is a God that embraces all kinds of people. We're celebrating a God that, that, that wants to be seen by all sorts of people. There is this uh, spectrum that God has established that he says, you all need to be witnesses, both the commoner and the royal, both the educated and the non-educated. And this is the one that gets me. The, the seekers and the non-seekers. The seekers and the non-seekers. Why would God choose non-seekers? Why would God choose people that had no idea about His coming? Why not the people that actually were praying and waiting and desiring to see Jesus? Do you know that there was a man who, uh, in, in, the Christ, in, in the whole Christmas story, there was a man who was praying to be kept alive for, before, to, to see the Messiah. And, and he finally meets Jesus a little while later in the story. He doesn't get to witness the birth of Jesus. He's a little bit later in the story when Jesus is brought to the temple. And he was seeking, he was praying and desiring that before he dies, he gets to see the Messiah. Why not him, God? Why not tell that guy, hey, hey, Messiah's coming in Bethlehem, off you go. Why to the shepherds that were just tending their flocks at night, just chilling out, minding their own business? I think it's because God wants you to know. It doesn't matter whether you have devoted your whole life to seeking Him. It doesn't matter whether you have studied all of Scripture. But if you are in a place where it has been revealed to you that the Messiah, that salvation is now on earth, it is now your choice whether you want to be one of the witnesses or not. You see, I, when I was looking at this story, I was kind of thinking, where, when, when, when God meets both of these groups of witnesses, they weren't in Bethlehem yet. They were close to Bethlehem. And when Jesus, oh sorry, when the, when the angels or the star kind of appears to them, they still needed to make a choice to come close to Jesus. As much as it was revealed to them the location of the Messiah. 
as much as there was all of these signs that accompanied this message, they still had a choice to follow through and to come to Jesus. Neither one of these parties were left disappointed. Even though Jesus was just a baby, he has done nothing. He was lying in a, in a manger. He looked poor. He probably couldn't talk because he was a baby. Maybe he knows how to cry. I heard the Messiah cry. There was nothing spectacular about this, but both parties left with something stirring inside of their heart. Notice when the, 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 the three, well, I don't know how many of them, but the wise men came, they gave the gifts, and it, it was a fulfillment of their life's journey, right? But the shepherds, they hadn't been doing any searching or any study. All they had was an angel that told them the Messiah is born and is born in Bethlehem. Just go to Bethlehem if you want to see this. They go over there, and the, and, and, and the Bible tells us that when the shepherds went left, left them, they, they said it was exactly as the angels told them. Think about that. That seen a baby, when the angel told him, you're seeing the Messiah. Maybe there was something more that was sparking off inside of them. Maybe in this day and age, we become so cynical that we say, God, meet me where I am right here, right now. I'm not willing to take another step. But maybe God is saying, hey, everything, all the evidence has been laid out, and I'm asking you to draw near. Maybe that even though God uh, creates a way for all sorts of people to come near to Him, that there is no real requirement as to who you are before you can come before Jesus, but for you to actually take that step to come before Jesus is a step of faith that each and every one of us must take. And that is the message that I want to leave with you today. That as much as we celebrate the birth of the Messiah, uh, how many of us are just willing to stay in the fields where the angels met us? Or how many of us are willing to travel all the way to Bethlehem to meet the Savior? How many of us are, are willing to study Scripture and to see all that God has prepared for us? But how many of us, and, and how many of us are happy with that versus those that will actually go all the way and follow the star to meet the Messiah? This morning as we celebrate Christmas, we've been celebrating Christmas for 2,000 years. Maybe there's something in this story for each and every single one of us to know that God would come to bring salvation to us. As Beck already mentioned earlier today, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. I love that name. I think that is such a personal name. But I also believe that this name is the invitation. As much as God is with us, are we with God? And that is something that we need to think about. At the end of a crazy year, with all that has happened, God has been with us, but have we been with God? Emmanuel is here, but are we with Emmanuel? How's your trust going? How's your peace going? How's your joy going? How is your sense of faith in a year that might have caused a lot of turmoil and pain and upheaval? God is with us. Are you with Him? So this morning we are going to take communion together as a symbol, as a sign of our desire to be with God.
Don't take this if you don't want to make that decision, please. But if you do, then let this be a really holy moment. If I can get the band up as well. We'll just give a moment for everyone to rip open there. Hold in your hand that little wafer. If anyone doesn't have um, communion yet, if you can just pop your hand up and the host team will come around. If you can hold that, the wafer represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. The cup represents the blood that was shed for us. As much as Jesus came to us in human form, there was something else that he did that was so significant, and that was that he died for us. He rises again, but his sacrifice is that. Not only is God with us, but we truly get to be with him. So what you hold in your hand is a symbol of the invitation that God is putting out. Think about it this way. Whether you're the shepherd or the wise man, whether you're the seeker or the non-seeker, whether you're the educated or the non-educated, what is before you is an invitation to come closer to Jesus. Is the angel that appears in the middle of the sky saying the Messiah is here? Or maybe he's the star that moves around a little bit and tells you this is where the Messiah is. That's all literal, but maybe think about this as symbolic this morning. We celebrate this day because Jesus is with us. And he's asking us to be with him. Before you take communion this morning, I'd just like you to just listen to the words of this song that the band has prepared. I want you to really sink in. This is what Jesus has done for us.
as you take the communion this morning, let that be your prayer. And say, Jesus, I want to draw closer to you. I want to know you more. I don't just want to know you from a distance or know that you are here. I actually want to know you more. If that's your prayer, why don't you take the bread and the cup this morning? God, I pray over every single person that is here this morning. I pray that God, that you would just impress on each and every one of us that you are calling us to draw closer to you, that you are inviting us to a much deeper, much more real relationship with you than we could ever imagine of. We thank you for the life that you've given and the life that you continue to give to us, God. And I pray to God that as we step into a new year, I pray to God that we would do that in, in partnership with you, in relationship with you. We won't just uh, witness you from afar, but we will do life with you, God. So we thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for coming and being a part of our uh, Christmas gathering this morning. Uh, we're going to have some morning tea. Uh, we're going to fix up that little uh, photo area. That you can do a bit of a selfie with your family. There's a Merry Christmas sign. Just something for you to um, remember at Christmas 2020. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that this message is not just, uh, oh yeah, I've done my Christmas thing, but that you will think about this. I really believe that God is wanting to draw more people closer to Him. What is your new year going to look like if you are really living in partnership, in closeness with Jesus, our Savior? I think it's going to be an amazing year. I'm already excited about what God is going to do next year. And we're so excited to see what God is going to do in our church as well. And so we would love you to all be a part of that and um, get on the adventure and what God's going to do. Uh, but that's all that we've got planned for this morning. So stick around, have some morning tea. Uh, we also do have our Christmas dinners coming up over the next few days. If you haven't signed up for one, um, I think there's only a few spots available for one tonight. But besides that, really sorry about that. Um, you were too slow. Um, maybe next year. We'll do them every single year. Uh, it'll be great. But I don't know if the band's ready to just uh, do one last carol. Why don't we all stand? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.